This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Local school councils are kind of like a mini school board. They help advocate for what schools and students need, and they've always been a unique part of Chicago's public school system. But they're even more important now. That's because Chicago will begin adding elected seats to the district's main school board this fall. And LSCs can serve as a stepping stone to the bigger seat down the line. Earlier, I sat down with two current members, Karanda Locust, a LSC member for Willa Cather Elementary School in Garfield Park, and J.P. Paulus, a LSC member for Burnside Scholastic Academy in the Chatham neighborhood on Chicago's south side, to learn more. But first, we talked to freelance journalist Crystal Paul. Now she starts by explaining the influence that LSC elections could have on broader school board elections. The LSCs are comprised of several people from the community, uh, namely six parent representatives, two teacher representatives, two community representatives, the school principal, um, and one non-teacher staff member, um, and then recent additions, student representatives, uh, three for high school, one for elementary school. Mm -hmm. What powers do LSCs have? Um, so LSCs are actually pretty powerful, um, especially compared to when you when you compare to parent involvement in uh, other districts around the country. Uh, so LSCs can approve the school budget, um, and the principal is supposed to run the budget by their LSC. Uh, they can also monitor school improvement and uh, sort of set goals for the overall academic plan, um, and then they can also choose and evaluate the principals. This is your sixth term, JP, and 12th year serving on the Burnside Scholastic Academy LSE. And you have also served on at least one other local school council. So tell us what made you want to get involved in the first place. So uh, initially, um, I was a stay-at-home parent. Um, both my daughters are actually were born premature, so um, yeah, I had to spend time with them. And um, so when my oldest daughter started school, I came to the uh, local school council meetings and Basically, they just asked a lot of questions every time I was there. So uh, that kind of prompted the uh, current members to say, hey, why don't you run for local school council the next term? And so that's how we got started and um, kept going with that. And then also uh, when my daughter was at um, uh, Diet uh, um, School for the Arts uh, in high school, that was their first LSC. So I wanted to bring that experience uh, and contribute to be a part of that as well. Mm -hmm. What about your LSC journey, Karanda? Where did that begin and how? It started around 2015. I was forced into it. So my sister... <laughs> How? I always joke. My sister was on LSE before myself. And so our kids went to school together. My nieces and my daughters all went to Willa Cather Elementary. And 
my sister pretty much brought me in, sat down, taught me about it, and I kind of been stuck ever since. <laughs> <laughs> you made a video recently, JP. You were trying to encourage parents to apply. And uh, you, at one point, you explained the difference between LSCs and the, the PAC or the, the Parent Advisory Council. Can you clear that up for us? Yeah. The Parent Advisory Council is a place where every parent has a voice and a vote. Um, so that way any uh, parent or even a grandparent or other caregiver who's there can uh, have a vote in, uh, their, um, in that meeting. The problem, though, is that it's an advisory council, so you don't necessarily have the power that a local school council has. Um, and then I uh, sort of liken the local school council to the city council where, again, any community member or neighbor can go to the meetings, but just like the city council, you have to wait till public comment to share your thoughts. And that's usually after the vote, and it's only in that narrow space. But if you are actually on the council, then you can um, have a voice throughout the meeting and then have the vote on there as well. Mm -hmm. Anything to add, Karanda, about the, the roles and responsibilities of, of LSC members or what else you have gained from being on LSC? I actually served LSC at two different schools for three years straight. So I actually saw the difference in how things can be ran, how people communicate, and the ideas and, you know, the thought process of how things get done through the school. Mm -hmm. Crystal, how does our LSC system compare to other school districts in the nation? I mentioned earlier that what we've got here in Chicago is unique. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really just nothing like it um, in other places around the country. Most places sort of defer to a more centralized authority, like a school board, like we have. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, and uh, or they have a, a PTA. Um, so parent involvement isn't sort of built in like it is in other in, uh, in our district. Yeah. You uh, in your story, you looked into the potential impact that LSC elections could have on school board elections later on. Can you first Go back a bit. Remind us what is happening with that transition to an elected school board. Sure. Um, yeah. So this year in November, we're going to have elections for the first ever elected uh, school board members. And I mean, ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so the school board will go from a 11 member appointed uh, council to a 21 member council. And then in typically appointed by typically the mayor. appointed by the mayor. And then in 2026, we'll have elections for the sitting members for 2027 and they will be fully elected school board by 2027 21 members all elected so what else did you find about the relation between the two like could running for an lsc be a stepping stone for the main school board elections yeah so so the impetus for this article was definitely kind of looking into that relationship um and i was talking to uh Karanda and jp here and, and you know there seems to be a sort of missing link between lscs and the school board a sort of lack of communication happening there but ultimately, the reason that we thought there'd be a link between LSCs and the elected school board is that Chicago is a city of neighborhoods, right? Um, and, right. right? And there's also seven of them. Exactly. Um, and, you know, people really care about their local schools. They really mm -hmm. care about their neighborhoods. Um, and then on top of that, you have Chicago as a place where people say things like, don't send me nobody, nobody sent, you know? Yes. <laughs> so you're looking at communities where people trust the people they know and the people that are doing work in their communities. And a lot of those people are going to be found on LSCs, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially doing work around schools. LSCs also, uh, you have to go through training. So you have to learn how to be a member on an LSC. Um, and I'm sure Karanda and JP can talk more about what that looks like. JP, you're nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your life. <laughs> well, Karanda, I wanted to ask you because you are not planning to uh, to run for the school board. What, what sorts of challenges are stopping you from doing that? It's a non-paid position. 
So, so that's challenge number one. Challenge number one, because as a parent at most schools, they have a LSE, a PAC or Parent Advisory Council. Some schools have a BAC, which is a Bilingual Advisory Council. Some schools have a SCS committee, Sustainable Community Schools. Okay. So if just one school, you can have four boards, non-paid positions. It eats a lot of your time as a parent. And most parents have to work. So right. you want me to apply for elected school board, which is another non-paid position. Most people who are already on the city board councils, they make enough where they can afford to take off and sit there for four to five hours. They're already in good, high-paid positions, mm. so they're not going to miss much of anything. So as I'm, an average parent, I can't afford to do it. Right. Well, what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like an, an equity issue at, at, at play here where parents who have that kind of time to spare can run for those bigger seats. Do you agree, JP? Uh, absolutely. Um, it's just like you're saying, there's all these other commitments. And then also then if you're a member of a church or um, if you've got uh, uh, part of your neighbor uh, neighborhood uh, community organization, all those things. And then also just the fact that you're a parent. So you're get, you've got your own kids. Um, oh, yeah, that, that keeps you busy enough. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, that's, like you said, that um, with it, without it being paid, who can really afford to be able to do that? Um, I only know like of one person who's um, who was on the local school council that is actually running, um, Daniel Kleiman, but that's also because he doesn't have any kids yet. So, <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> so he, he doesn't know. Poor thing. Uh, take us back uh, again, Crystal. When were the first LSC elections? 1989. Uh, the Chicago School Reform Act uh, was, was uh, it started in 1988, and then the elections were actually in 1989. Um yeah. How many people ran then versus what we're seeing now? Well, it came out of, you know, largely parent frustration and, and people <laughs> wanting to get parent voices in the room. Um, so a lot of people were very excited the first year. It was about 17,000 candidates um, for about, oh gosh, 5,000 positions. Oh, wow. Right? That's oh, a lot. Gosh, I'm, don't quote me on that second number. <laughs> um, Still but, sounds like a lot of candidates, though. Yes, 17,000 is probably the most candidates there have been. Um, and since then, it's sort of waxed and waned. Uh, if you go through the archives, you'll see articles every now and then just, oh, my gosh, we have no candidates running. And, oh, hey, look, record high for the past 10 years. You know? well, what does that tell you, folks? Right. Seeing how, you know, chased after it was, sought after it was at that point, And now you can hardly get people to apply. What, what, what comes to mind, Karanda? Well, I mean, when they first started that, I was barely born. I was like four years old. So, <laughs> you know, back then, like in the 80s, you can live from a one parent income. And so dad goes to work, mom's a stay at home parent. She can go to the school board meetings and she had the time. Now, you like both parents almost have to work two jobs just to afford, you know, rent and like you've seen the price of eggs. So it's like, so I what you're saying is do all the economy, the economy. Yes, definitely. the economy. Um, who can vote in LSEs? Uh, everyone, everyone can vote. Yeah. Uh, and voter turnout, what did that look like in the last election in 2022? Mm, 2022, we actually had a pretty good voter turnout. It was 110,000. Um, but for context, in 1989, it was about 300,000. Uh, so still, you know, dwindling, yeah. um, but still pretty high compared to uh, more recent years. 
So take actually, a, I have to point to um, JP's shirt here. It says, uh, "Run for the 2014 LSC election." He has this, this beautiful shirt here. Well, 2014. From 2014. 2014. Um, so that's 10 years ago, and I noticed it when I walked in because it was like a record low year <laughs> for turnout. So 2014 was. That's why the shirt. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I mean, good segue into JP and that video I mentioned earlier that you made. I mean, talk to us. Tell us more about why you encourage people to run for this. Well, I think part of it is um, one of the things I think we haven't talked about yet is just that you need to have a quorum in order to actually for your for them to actually do business. So if there's not enough people that are actually there, then you know we won't be able to actually do the business. So people enough people will come to the meetings and then, but they are there for nothing. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you need to have a minimum number of people. And the other thing though is that um, you know if we're a community, then that way if somebody isn't able to come because of sickness or other issues, there's enough people there that you'll be able to do business. And, um, and the other thing too, is that, um, you know, it's not that hard to be able to do either. Uh, at least the pandemic has helped us out a lot that, um, we can actually even do it virtually, uh, even pre pandemic, you could even call if there was a physical, uh, quorum, you could call in and, uh, or you could vote to have uh, people call in. Mm-hmm. Now we can do, um, Google meet and other ways. To and how it. often are you meeting? Well, Traditionally, like I want to get a sense yeah. of how much yeah. time this is yeah. this is taking up. Traditionally, it's a, a month, but um, at Burnside, we we actually do it um, once every two months because we're able to do uh, business and take care of it. And then in terms of the actual meetings itself, it's only about an average, I would say, ninety minutes, and then sixty minutes outside if you want to do you know reading to make sure you're you've covered all the the budget and all those other issues. How often are you, are you folks meeting at at Cather? At Cather, we meet every month. Every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many vacancies are there right now, Crystal? Uh, geez, it was about 311 schools have unfilled seats. So I don't know the actual number of vacancies. I just know that that's the number of schools that have unfilled seats. And I want you to help us fill in the blank there, Karanda. I mean, when we talk about vacancies, why is it important for an LSC to not sit empty? Well, if we don't have enough people on council, we can't vote for anything like school fundraisers, school budget. Um, Even if it's principal evaluation, we can't conduct business if we don't have a quorum have you ever been in that situation over all the, the years time. <laughs> all the time yeah so Karanda I mean currently the I'm the only parent at Cather wait I'm the what? only parent representative on the council yes oh so you really want people to apply yes so I can take a break <laughs> <laughs> uh, what has been when you look back you know you, you were doing this with the elementary school the high school what's your proudest achievement Karanda in your time serving on a local school council or maybe you have a few things that you can sort of list off. I do have a few things. And it's interesting because my daughter graduated from Uplift, but I still regularly volunteer there. So so you're kind of still, I'm still there. LSCs, Karanda. In a sense, yeah. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things that you've accomplished over the years? Well, when my daughter was at Uplift, we voted to get a transportation system to bring kids from the west side because Uplift is in Uptown, which is far north. Mm-hmm. And we're at Cather, which is on the west side of Chicago. And so we actually were able to implement a transportation service that picks kids up from Cather, mm-hmm. brings them to Uplift, and brings them back to Cather in the evening. Oh, that's amazing. But the crazy part about it is it took so long to get implemented. My daughter graduated out <laughs> by the time it actually got She didn't get to use it she at all. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But that, that was a common a, thread in the story. But I, have a younger, <laughs> I have a younger child, so she might actually benefit from it. Right, right. So so there, there was some some good there. And, of course, other children are, are, are benefiting oh, yeah, absolutely. ever since that was implemented. What about you, JP, when you think over the years? I mean, six terms yeah. <laughs> at this school. Yeah. 
and then also a, a simultaneous term at Diet. Um, so I think the biggest thing was doing the principal selection for sure, um, because uh, yeah, they just impacted um, at Burnside. Things, yeah, actually at at Burnside and Diet as well. Um, so with Burnside though, it was um, a better process just in terms of just things were more unified, um, and then um, uh, and then just building a culture of that there are now a new generation of parents who are willing to to step up. So I think that's the thing I probably would be more pro most proud of it at Burnside and just really want to see that happen. And then at Diet, we just had very divergent views of people. Just and I think for me um, that just making sure that everybody was um, heard um, that would, that would be the the biggest thing, uh, um, especially at Diet. Yeah, absolutely. When will the elections be, Crystal? Um, elections are April 10th for elementary school LSEs and April 11th for high school LSEs. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I know as well, Karanda, is you are pushing, as you sit there alone right now <laughs> on the council <laughs> at Catherine, you're, you're pushing to change the requirements to serve on an LSC so that more people can can run. Talk to us about that. What, what do you want to see happen differently? So at Uplift, there was previously an ALSE, which is appointed local school council. Okay. And it had two separate positions, which were advocates. So you didn't have to be a parent or a community member. You can be an advocate. So that actually helped more people come in to actually serve. Like you don't have to be a parent or grandparent. You can just be an advocate for the school. And eventually they changed it and took those positions away. Mm. So even at Cather, there are some kids who actually live with their grandparents. They may not have legal custody of them, but they can't serve as a parent because they're not the parent. So if we had like more positions like advocates, then other people can possibly serve. I mean, there's a lot of things like backgrounds and fingerprinting, and that scares away parents. Right. Yeah. I mean, but those things are so important and necessary. They are. But if I mean, as an LSE member, I'm not signing any checks. So they want us to be background fingerprinted, but you can serve on PAC without any of those restrictions. Oh, I see. So as a parent, if I tell people, oh, yeah, go get background and fingerprinted, some people won't. And it doesn't even have to do with anything major, like you might have a petty crime against you, but it will scare people away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll just add that um, for the background checks, there's certain felonies that yeah. make you ineligible. But just hearing it off top, like mm -hmm. most parents on the West Side, like even if they have certain things, they're like, oh, they're going to back away. It's too much. Right. It sounds like too much of a commitment. It doesn't make them any less of a parent, but it's like you're kind of scaring them away from being involved. Yeah. I'll give you the last word, JP. What do you want folks to, to take away from this conversation? Uh, I think I want them to know that it's not that scary to uh, participate, and it's it's really relatively easy, um, but that everybody, um, that all the communities really need everybody just to do a part. And if you're only... And that you don't have to do everything. Um, you just if everybody does a little bit, we'll be able to just make a lot of things happen. We've been talking about upcoming LSC elections at Chicago Public Schools with LSC members Karanda Locust and JP Paulus and freelance journalist Crystal Paul. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Max Lubers. It was edited by Meha Ahmed and mixed by Brenda Ruiz. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss a conversation like this one. And if you learned something today, we'll consider leaving us a rating too. That'll help share local stories and national news to more listeners like you. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.